You're listening to MDASH, the healthcare podcast that gives you pause. I'm Kim Aquaviva. Today's episode, Cassandra, featuring Dr. Peggy Chin. What are some of the words you use to describe yourself in terms of your identities? Um, I guess that uh, feminist lesbian nurse would be uh, the first uh, terms that would come to mind. Um, I'm also uh, very involved with my grandchildren right now, especially my two granddaughters who are school age. So Mamie is what they call me. I consider myself an activist, um, uh, sometimes uh, a rabble rouser. That'll do. (laughs) For myself, as a lesbian professor in a school of nursing, I was really curious about what it was like for you as a lesbian nurse educator back in the 70s. Could you share some stories about your experiences? Yes. Um, Well, you know, back in the 70s, um, it was a very different cultural environment than we have now. And um, I grew up um, in Hilo, Hawaii, (laughs) uh, where there was, uh, and in a very fundamentalist family. Uh, So I I didn't even know uh, not only I didn't know the words, I didn't even know uh, the possibility of anything other than the white picket fence, uh, leave it to beaver kind of Im- image of what the world was like. Um, and so uh, when I first uh, began to realize that I was um, mainly attracted to women, it was very uh, sort of late in my uh, growing up, but I was in my late 20s, early 30s, and so uh, by some standards that isn't considered late, but uh, in my experience, um, it was uh, um, later than I would have liked <laughs> uh, because I had kind of entered into a typical uh, ideal kind of heterosexual life, and then I had to begin to realize that I had to undo that. and. Uh, in order to be who I was. And that was the really dri- <clears throat> driving motivation, I guess, that you would, uh, that I would uh, say about um, what happened in terms of my evolution to realizing that I really um, am a lesbian woman. Uh, I couldn't be anything else. It just was like, uh, for me, uh, being honest about who I was was all that I could do, and I couldn't imagine uh, anything else. But of course, uh, all of the people around me, including the women that I uh, ended up becoming friends with as uh, platonic friends, as, as well as women that <clears throat> I became involved with romantically, uh, none of them <laughs> uh, saw their life or the world that way. They were all very, very closeted. Um, a few were more comfortable uh, with uh, not hiding. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say they were really out, but they would just kind of uh, lived their lives as like, okay, you can take me or leave me, uh, but yeah, I live with so-and-so. Uh, and um, at that time, of course, that was uh, just considered a little suspicious, but not really a huge uh, deal in nursing because... Um, a lot of uh, women who were fa- on faculty or um, in nursing <clears throat> and in, in any other capacity who were lesbians were, quote, single women. And, of course, they would share 
living arrangements <laughs> uh, to save money or whatever it was. So really my first awareness of anything like this was uh, when I was in college at the University of Hawaii and uh, we had two faculty uh, members who, um, uh, of course, taught psych nursing, uh, who lived together, and they were among our favorite professors, and they did a lot of things with the students as classes, like they would have parties, and we would go to their house and have a class gathering or something like that. Um, and there was a lot of snickering about uh, the two bedrooms <laughs> uh, and things like that, but nothing really taken very seriously. Uh, and, and seriously, in terms of no other than snickering and making fun of it, in, the, in a way, there was no open hostility. And in fact, uh, the women were really dearly loved by everybody uh, um, in the school, students and faculty alike. So uh, then when I uh, began to realize that uh, who I was, then um, it was a period of utter turmoil in terms of uh, changing how my life was, and I think it took about 10 years or so. So, um, and then I didn't really feel comfortable with, in the way that I am now, to say openly I am a lesbian, but um, I didn't try to hide it. And what happened is that when we were, um, and I would say, I would talk about it, but I just didn't really like um, talk about it then the way I did uh, do now. But it was quite open knowledge by everybody. And um, the women that I, before I started to change my life and become more open, uh, we would gather at um, conventions primarily and uh, meet up and we, we would be in the bar having a wonderful time and everybody understood <clears throat> exactly what was going on and who we were. But then once I began to be much more open and publicly identified because of some of my activism in the community where I lived at the time, which was Buffalo, New York, um, uh, that whole scenario began to change because other nurses didn't really want to be um, associated with the uh, community that was uh, had formed um, over the years uh, that from everybody's perception everybody knew who we were but nobody wanted anybody to really know who we were <laughs> so uh, the community started uh, breaking apart because nobody wanted to be seen with those people so one year uh, I took a, a button uh, you know the like campaign button or something, and the button said, improve your image, be seen with me. <laughs> and I uh, wore it to, the, to a convention, and uh, people would come up that I had known and everything, and uh, didn't really quite get the joke. It kind of scared them. So, uh, but there were many, many nurses by that time who were also very activist, very... Um, engaged and uh, uh, were happy to be begin to work on activist um, ideas and work. And it was in the early 80s when we um, formed the network of uh, Cassandra Radical Feminist Nurses Network, and that happened at an ANA convention in Washington, D.C., the same year that the 
um, ERA uh, died. Stepping out for burgers just the other day When a man sat down beside me in a worried sort of way He said, brother, we're all in danger You gotta hear what I have to say Cause you know what's gonna happen if they pass the ERA There will be women in all of our bathrooms Women using all our stalls They'll be wasting the paper towels They'll be hogging the urinals They'll be pushing the old soap squirters Pushing the hot air dryers too so we were in Washington, D.C. for an ANA convention, and all over the city there were these huge rallies and concerts and uh, marches uh, of women uh, protesting the death of the ERA but expressing determination to move forward. Um, and uh, so uh, we were watching all of these activities, many of us, about, well, many, about 30 women, um, all of whom were uh, identified as lesbian, but not really out of the closet, but not afraid to be identified with this group. We were, we were going to all of these activities around Washington, D.C. that were celebrating um, and kind of ignoring the convention. But we happened to notice, and we watched a limousine uh, pull up to the hotel to unload Orrin Hatch uh, from the uh, United States uh, Senate, who was there to be the guest speaker for the Maternal and Child Health Nurses Conference. And we said among ourselves, we have to do something. <laughs> so we formed Cassandra and uh, named after the essay by Florence Nightingale, uh, an angry outcry against the plight of Victorian women we were able to keep that group going with a paper newsletter and uh, for about eight years uh, as the first expression of what um, uh, what we were trying to do. But we still, even though we were openly uh, stated that uh, lesbians were certainly welcome and we uh, wanted to uh, know that any lesbian could be in our group and be identified, we were really clear that we didn't want to limit uh, the group to just lesbian nurses. So we struggled with that from all through the time, and it really is the issue that plagued our really moving forward, because every time we got together, we would have to go through, is this really a lesbian group? And of course, 90% of the people there were lesbians, but or probably more, uh, but still struggling with that whole um, internalized homophobia that we all felt. Uh, and in fact, um, Elizabeth Berry and I have an article that was in a, a fairly recent issue of Sinister Wisdom, I guess it was about two years ago, on that experience of homophobia um, in the uh, in Cassandra at the time, internalized homophobia, and what was really, looking back on it, what it was really like to uh, be involved in that and how we individually then grew beyond uh, that and uh, gradually by the time in the 90s were able to uh, begin to even more openly declare our, our identity um, as lesbian nurses, as lesbian educators. And I guess that the one other thing that just to kind of bring that into the 90s a little bit when I was, uh, uh, I, I joined the faculty in about 19... Uh, 90, 
1990. Uh, and the um, person who was acting dean at the time had stepped down, and there was an acting dean. And she uh, came to my office to, to kind of welcome me and have a little chat and everything. And as part of that group, uh, as part of that chat, she uh, kind of uncomfortably said, I just need to ask you <clears throat> to be aware of one thing. Um, it's just fine for you to talk about all of the feminist things that you believe in and, you know, that you're doing, but please don't uh, mention being a lesbian because we have problems with that here. <laughs> I said to her, uh, you know, I am who I am, and I, uh, I'll be glad to talk to anybody about, about why this is important to me. Um, and so, you know, she didn't insist that I pledge that I would not say that I'm a lesbian, but <laughs> she, she uh, kind of just left, and that was that. I don't open a class and say I am a lesbian, and, you know, <laughs> uh, I certainly don't try to convert people, but I was clearly open. I had things like rainbow symbols in my office. I uh, was, you know, clear about things that I wore that, uh, you know, communicated who I was, who I am, like earrings that have rainbow <laughs> uh, uh, symbols on it or something like that. So I was very, very open. And then about a year and a half into it, um, a uh, uh, <clears throat> I want to say Farron, but I don't think it was Farron, but it was one of our dearly beloved uh, lesbian uh, performers was in Denver for a concert. And of course, I was there, anything like that that happens. And um, a, uh, a student, not in the program that I taught in, but in another program, but who I had kind of encountered along the way in like uh, student meetings and things like that, was also there. And she told me later that when she saw me there, she said that she was so relieved to know that somebody who was on the faculty, um, who is a lesbian and open as a lesbian, was there. And it gave her the courage to say, as a student, I'm not going to hide who I am. Ultimately, we did uh, become friends after the uh, program was over. Um, and uh, <coughs> we actually ended up going to the Michigan Women's Music Festival at the same time, not together, but we were connected as uh, groups of friends do in that type of situation. And she was sitting around um, chatting um, near our campsite. And she said, you know, I've been just struggling and struggling over the years with who I am. And she was in her probably late 20s at that time. And uh, she said, this is just really a shock to me to be here at Michigan and look around and say to myself, this is who I am. <laughs> she said, I have never, ever been able to experience that before. And she said, it's a little scary. Uh, but, uh, you know, she was just really um, uh, able to express a lot of uh, that that was coming through for her at that time. And I guess the rest is history. What changes have you witnessed in nursing regarding how lesbian nurses are viewed by other nurses? Well, um, I think that just in the last five years or so, there has been quite a shift. Um, and I think that the shift started happening um, when uh, marriage equality happened. 
um, because uh, even though, you know, uh, uh, there were many of us over the years who uh, said that we believe we didn't believe in uh, legal marriage for anybody. <laughs> so you know we resisted the hetero relational image that marriage uh, represents. But as one of my friends uh, shared with us, that uh, one of her African American friends says uh, told her when uh, she was expressing the little uh, hesitancy about going. Uh, fully into supporting marriage equality, the, uh, her friends said, you know, sitting at it, the uh, the Woolworths uh, lunch counter uh, didn't have good food. We weren't there because the food was good. Hmm. <laughs> we, were the, we wanted to sit there because of the uh, underlying issue that is there. And so, uh, and now bathrooms are that symbol. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about bathrooms, but the fighting for the right to use the bathroom of your choice is really a civil rights issue. When marriage equality happened, it suddenly kind of came through, I think, that um, yes, we are going to talk about this. It gave those of us who are in committed relationships a way to acknowledge our relationship even more boldly, <laughs> uh, you might say. And uh, so, Actually, just in the last three years, um, I'm finding that when I talk to people who are um, in, on nursing faculty, there's hardly any pushback about the fact that, oh, we do need to be including LGBT content in our curriculum. Uh, <clears throat> there's still some hesitancy. Um, one of the th I did a workshop at Louisiana State University about <clears throat> um, a year ago. Uh, with the faculty looking at uh, different ways to integrate um, LGBT content throughout the curriculum. And one of the uh, faculty members expressed what we hear so commonly, why do we need to even worry about this? We treat everybody the same. And mm -hmm. so um, I just asked the group, I said, do you treat somebody who is two years old the same way that you do somebody who is 35 in the same way that you do if they're 90? Um, do you treat somebody who is uh, female differently than you do the same as you do a male in all respects? To make the point that, you know, we treat everybody equally in terms of respecting who they are mm -hmm. and responding to them in an appropriate way for who they are as a person. And uh, LGBT identity is not visible, but it is just as crucial to who I am as a person. And you need to know who I am in order to be able to give me high quality of care in the way that you do for anybody else. And, you know, that came across just really wonderfully. I mean, I think everybody got it, and I think people are getting it. Uh, and in part because it is possible to talk about it now. Uh, so, um, I wouldn't say that homophobia has died by any means, just as <laughs> racism is still alive and well, but uh, we're, we're just able to deal with it more openly, more honestly. And um, it also has given those of us who are doing this kind of work more uh, confidence and pride and joy <laughs> in doing the work without feeling uh, so overwhelmed by the uh, fears um, and our own internalized homophobia. Mm -hmm.
You've been listening to MDASH, the healthcare podcast that gives you pause. Tweet your questions, comments, and suggestions to at em underscore dash underscore podcast. Thank you.